Hi, this is Bron Burton, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page. that music fades into the distance. You're on 3RRR. This is Radio Marinara. I'm Anthony Boxhaw. I'm Bron Burton. I'm Dr Beach. Good morning. Woo, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't take long. I'd, I'd, I'd hesitate to say Happy New Year, but to you guys, we Happy could. New Year. Oh, and, well, and, and everyone out there listening. Well, in fact, Gung Hei Fa Choi as well. Yes. It, is, it is the middle of the um, Lunar Festival. So Happy New Year to one side of my family and to all our Chinese listeners, Vietnamese. Year of the water rat. Yes, for us the anyway. water rat. Yes, it is the Rakali. Year of the Rakali. Welcome back, people. Yeah, it's nice to be back. We've got a few thank yous to do. A Tim. Thank you, Tim. First and foremost, thank you, Edith, for things to do today. Thank you, Andrew, for soulful bits. It's nice having. To, you it's know. gorgeous. Yeah, wonderful. That, did you catch the Leonard Cohen? There's a little Leonard Cohen about eight thirty. Yes. Goodness me. He's remarkable. Mm. He was very beautiful. It was extraordinary. He's a very confronting and remarkable poet. And that great um, gig coming up, tribute gig at Memo Music Mm. Hall as well. Mm. I spent the last hour and a half driving down from Malmesbury this morning listening to Tim (laughs) being serenaded. It was quite lovely. Now, we don't – I'm pretty sure Tim didn't get another – uh, honours. No. He should have, of course. He is, of course, as we know, an Australian But But uh, big congratulations to Dr Shane exactly. from Einstein and Gogo, yes. who did. So, um, Lord Shane, if we're going in that same vein. Is it Lord? I think it is Lord, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I entirely missed that. Oh, that's yes. how much I'd, lo- yes. I'd, I'd you know, don't read anything unless it's to do with the marine world. But <laughs> he got no AM. Wow. Mm. Lord Lord Shane Huntington has yes, quite yes. a ring. It does. Has quite a ring to and it, I believe. of course, he's got the voice for it, Lord Shane. <laughs> He's probably going to have a go at us later, isn't he? <laughs> uh, it's nice to be back. So congrats. And we have last two thank yous as well to um, the wonderful Glenn Morrow and Fiona Scott-Norman 
who were broadcasting in this time slot over the summer months, yes. weeks. Well, it wasn't months, it was weeks. So, I think so, six in total. So is, is it this point? Because, of course, that was such good quality that we apologise to people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, sorry, we're back. <laughs> bring Glenn back. Bring Fiona back. Fiona, if you want that nice music, then um, tough. You've got us. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, Glenn's program was, uh, he had a great program called um, What Do You Do? It was all about interesting jobs that people do. Or um, as I was calling it to myself, my job's a lot better than the crap job you have. So. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have a segment like that on this show. In fact, that was my first spot on this show, Radio Marino, right. 11 years ago or something, was what's my job? And there Dr. Go. Surf got me on to talk about my job. I was going to say, and, and I you didn't still leave. haven't bloody left. <laughs> I haven't left. Anyway. <laughs> Can't get rid of me. Hey, this is show 1021. In the unending series of Marinara. We've got a very... Do you want to talk about the year? What would you like to talk about first or the summer? You had a very eventful summer, Bob. Yeah, the condensed version. You might have... Um, uh, I, I had a chat with Tracy Hutchison on her wonderful program, Fierce, which ran in the um, 11 till 12 slot in the normal Einstein and Go-Go slot about what happened. If you missed that, um, I went up to Bermagui as I, you know, try and do as much as I possibly can. Um, and, uh, yeah, we got caught in the New Year's Eve fires. It was pretty extraordinary experience. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into the details of it all, but, yeah, it's an experience like that does change you as a person. So, um, oh, I'm going to launch straight into it. So there's a fundraiser that I've got behind yes. organising. <laughs> Um, it'll lead into some conversation about um, about coastal communities and their recovery and of course not just in south coast New South Wales but in Gippsland um, particularly Mallacoota which we've all heard a lot about but even sort of extending further west there's a gig coming up at the Thornbury Theatre which I've got right behind organising along with um, wonderful Mary Mihalakos and Lisa Guy who you might know here from Megahertz actually mm -hmm. Lisa played for the Megahertz last year Comic Relief it's a bushfire fundraiser Wednesday February the 12th awesome uh, featuring um, wonderful talents of Judith Lucy our very own Geraldine Hickey Breakfast extraordinaire, um, Tripod, uh, Deborah Francis White, the guilty feminist a yeah. podcaster who's just fabulous, um, Ivan Arista Guita and Scared With Little Guys and oh, more. We'll be announcing more over the next few days. So Very cool. Wednesday uh, week, Wednesday 12th of Feb at Thornbury Theatre. You can get your tickets at uh, thornburytheatre.com and all proceeds go to Wildlife Victoria and the Gippsland Emergency Relief Fund. Yeah, good one. Well done. Jump straight in with that one. But um, yes, we're going to be speaking, I suppose we can launch into what we're doing this yeah, year on yeah, Marinara. Yeah. Coastal recovery. Spending some time over, because of course this is a, a, we all know, huge recovery ahead. And we'll be... Probably decadal. Yeah. Really. So this is sort of the beginning of, of us really looking at what this means in the context of um, estuarine and inshore coastal environments mm. in in the first instance. Yeah, there, I mean, there's, you know, there's marine impacts already. You know, you don't think about fires having marine impacts, but of course they do as yep. well. So that's right. And of course what's happening, yeah, as you said, Bron, in the estuarine environment, all that stuff coming through and it's... I, I, I personally want to understand more about this. I mean, I've charcoal is something that, you know, we filter water with, but mm. if you have too much of all this in the water, it's just, you know, devastating for the, for the environment there. And I, I want to understand a bit more about that. Mm. So I'm looking yeah. forward to us getting some people who know much more than I do yes. on this topic to talk about it and, and to explain to us just how devastating this has been and, and, and why. So this will be an ongoing theme for us this year. And there's a few other kind of ongoing themes. I'm going to kind of touch on longer-term coastal adaptations, try and bring something in every month or so that's just looking at 
Coastal communities are adapting, like already, you know, to sea level rise, to erosion, um, some of them more urgently than others, but um, they are. And so we'll try and bring in every once in a while a flavour of those communities and what is actually happening so people get a sense of what you can do in your community to adapt to what is inevitable, the big freight train of, you know, the climate future. Um, communities are getting ready already. Also, um, Dr Beach, you're going to continue with your regular Life's a Beach segment looking at marine science all around the world? I am, yeah. And we're going to kick off with a segment later on in the program today. We are going to be a, a little bit controversial looking <laughs> at... Um, well, the, the, the headline for this one is Study Disputes Carbon Dioxide Fish Behaviour Link. I'll talk much more about this later on, but there have been a series of papers which have come out over the last decade which have shown that, um, well, according to the people who've done this work, and it's been published in many high-profile journals that with increasing concentrations of carbon dioxide, fish behaviour is changed. Um, and, of course, as we put more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, carbon dioxide concentrations increase in the ocean. Um, we know that has devastating effects, dropping acidity, as it does if you increase carbon dioxide, has effects on all sorts of things. But there was this link between fish behaviour. And a very comprehensive study has now come out and shown that um, hmm. they can't demonstrate that. They can't replicate those studies. Hmm. So I'll talk hmm. about that. Um, but something else we, we just talked about, you know, we're talking about climate change a lot here. And what I'm going to talk about soon is a paper in Nature. But I'd just like to point out this week's um, editorial in Nature, Nature comes out every week. Um, it's the most prestigious, one of the most prestigious journals in the world. And um, straight off they say, in the editorial, Australia, show the world what climate action looks like. There's a picture of Scott Morrison there of the fires and, you know, <laughs> nature is just appalled by what's happening in this country. And I'd just like to read out this last paragraph. We frequently hear the argument that actions from individual countries such as Australia will, on their own, make little difference to global warming. But that is why we have global agreements. Change will come when everyone acts in concert. Australia, along with the United States, China, the European Union and others, all have their part to play, leading the way on decarbonising energy for households, industry, transport and more. Instead of arguing with its climate researchers, Australia's government needs to work with them to accelerate this transition and to ensure that, as far as possible, lives and livelihoods are protected when change arrives. A country on the front line of climate change has no other choice. I just think it's, that encapsulates the thoughts for many of us. I know you've got a couple of plugs and we want to talk about the weather as well, but just very quickly on that, I was in Europe in summer over our summer and while the scale of the fires was talked about, there were two other things um, that were talked about a lot, um, the kind of... Um, stuff ups of Morrison being in the wrong, you know, being in Hawaii. That, that, that got news, that was news. Um, but then also this topic of, and it, this topic of Australia being ac an actual living example of what yeah. climate change is doing at a scale to, and I, I got a sense that it was to a country like us. You know, because it's already happened. It's been happening in the Pacific for decades. It's been happening in the Indian Ocean for decades. There are communities, but you know, in Bangladesh. You know, but but it was a bit like kind of Europe, the US. Um, you know, Deutsche Bella, even Al Jazeera, and others were kind of going. This is a major industrialized country struggling to respond to what has been predicted for decades. Mm. Yeah. What would happen if it was us? And it was a really kind of it was. I, we don't have we haven't had that kind of media in Australia, and so it was very interesting to see the Germans talk about it, the French talk about it and even the Americans as well and just that that different sense of well you guys are seriously on the front line here we hadn't realized that it was so bad hmm. um, anyway 
There's a couple of things you want to plug? Uh, just before we move off what we're planning to do this year, and I really wanted to mention this one for people who may be tuning in for the first time because we know that there will be people tuning in for the first time going, what are those people talking about? <laughs> so we've mentioned Life of Beach. We've mentioned the Coastal Recovery and Coastal Adaptations. We also have a regular lineup. Uh, Cade Mills, who will be in next week. Um, Cade sort of covers lots of different things at, at a community level, at a conservation level. Um, so Cade will be in and talking to us about some of the things he'll be doing this year. Uh, Fum Sharko with Plastic Literacy. Um, Fum will be back as well. Rex Hunter with uh, Rex Hunting. He's our maritime archaeologist. Uh, Brett Ditchfield, our sailing reporter with his regular segment, Diary of the Cabin Boy. Um, <laughs> Jeff I Mac- still love that title. I just, <laughs> I just love sounds it. a little bit. So <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Jeff Maynard. Um, our, our most beloved Jeff Maynard with Soundscapes and this year Jeff is covering Soundscapes Saves the World so <laughs> oh, we're, we're aiming big oh, fantastic. Um, and Terry Allen our dive reporter and um, speaking of dive reporting uh, Terry's not available today but we're going to be um, catching up shortly with Jackie Younger talking about some clean up events that have happened over the summer but another one coming up as well um, and our regular guests Neil Blake uh, with Baykeeping and uh, Dave Donnelly with Whale Watching big happy happy birthday to uh, to Dave Donnelly, he celebrated a key milestone birthday yesterday. He's twenty five, isn't he's, he? Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, again. again. Yeah. So he's uh, he's uh, I think recovering today. Anyway, that's what's <laughs> coming up um, for the year. And uh, we sort of started talking about today's lineup. We have actually We've sort of gone mentioned, backwards. Yeah, I don't until like, yeah, I jumped do, in. I had to read out the editorial. Why don't we do a bit of quick weather? <laughs> a quick we'll weather. Yeah, quick weather. It's going to be 20, 24 degrees today. Had a nice bit of sprinkle overnight. Down here in Melbourne, yes. wasn't it? Yeah. And you know, there's been, so I'd, I'd put a damper on this, but it hasn't hit any of the fire areas. Right. Like, you know, you think, we just got dumped on, but it's not. Right. Anyway. Anyway, sorry, today, 24 degrees, partly cloudy, medium chance of showers in the early morning, clearing clearing by dawn. Indeed, they have. Wind southwest 15 to 20k, becoming light early in the morning, then becoming west-southwest 25 to 35k in the um, in the morning. I don't know. It's, it's, <laughs> It's a bit of a typo there, anyway. Uh, tomorrow's going to be 18 degrees, partly cloudy. Tuesday, 21. Uh, Wednesday, oh. 22. Oh. Thursday, 27. Friday, 28. And Saturday, 31. So oh. it's warming up slowly towards 31 on Saturday, but not the high 30s, low 40s as we saw last week. Um, not a lot of rain around. Not less than one millimetre for the entire week. So we've had our lot for the week by the sounds of it. Um, if you are heading out on the water, you'll be wanting to know what's happening with the tides. It is um, high tide right now at the heads. Oh, no, no, that's at Williamstown. At Point Lonsdale, it's um, going to be a low tide at around noon, and it was a high tide at 6 a.m. this morning. Now, apart from Life's Beach, um, towards the end of the show, we have a wonderful couple of guests, um, an amazing film about to come out. Yes, we do. Um, Map to Paradise. Yes. So we'll be speaking with Daniel Ryan, who is the um, uh, director and co-producer of the Map to Paradise. Um, I caught a preview screener of it last night sitting at my laptop. It's a wonderful, wonderful. It is beautiful. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of part documentary, part sort of reflection on where the the marine conservation movement has come from and, and really kind of looks at... Starting to join the dots all around the world about movements to to really protect our marine environment and uh, and where they're coming from and not maybe where people are thinking. Yeah, that was what struck me. Yeah. I'm really interested to chat to Danielle about how yeah. she found some of these people, for starters, but anyway. Yes, and she's got some big backers behind this film. Oh, um, I know. It's yeah. Martin Sheen. Martin the Sheen's the exec, exec producer. producer. And, uh, and Prince Albert, the second of Monaco. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, started out, looks like it, I'm going to ask her about this, looks like it started out as a crowdfunding initiative, but then he backed it financially yeah, by the right. look of it. So I'm trying to, we'll, we'll yeah, ask her about, about all of that too. Um, and then first up, we're going to talk about um, the Marine and Coastal Awards, which I'm going to step out of because I chair the Victorian Marine and Coastal Council. So I have demonstrable conflict of interest, but I'm going to hand over to you guys. You're going to talk to Francis Northeast, the Executive Officer. Excellent. Of Marine, Victorian Marine and Coastal Council talking about those awards. Now, we're so far behind. Shall we? <laughs> do you want to do those plugs or are we going to play music? What would you prefer? I'll do some plugs. Let's go. We've I'll, got a couple of things. I'll, I'll do Quickies. two of them super quickly because they actually relate to events that are happening today, which is a palindrome, by the way, a date palindrome, the 2nd of February 2020. It is. It's a date palindrome. And according to um, to my 14-year-old son, um, Huey, he said the next pal- date palindrome won't be till the next millennium. So it's a bit of a special day. Really? 0202 Well, now we're all going to be sitting going, oh, oh, right. seven, is, is, it, is, it the, is it the 12th of it December? Of course it can't be. Because you won't, have another, you won't have another 0202-something. I think he's right. Yeah. Yeah, I think he is too. I thought I was the only one who thought of it, dwelt about oh, stuff like that. And I'm really surprised that I didn't pick up on that. Hang on, I haven't seen we, a date in front of me for today. Won't we have the 12th of... The 12th of February 2021. Won't that be... Is that it? Is that a palindrome? Oh, well, that'll be the next millennium anyway. Is it? No, that's next year. That'll be next year, wouldn't it? Anyway. That's not a palindrome. 12th of February 2021 is not a palindrome. Should we get back to the plugs? Yeah, let's do that. Let's get get back to the plugs. We're losing more time. Disabled (laughs) Service Association, we love you guys. We're going to be in touch soon to organise an on-air chat with you. But they have an event today. Um, smiles on dials, so which is what they always do. Um, such wonderful job. Uh, so today, second of February at Ocean Grove Main Beach, uh, you uh, usually need to um, all uh, register for these things, and registrations are from eight am. I think you can just rock up down there and offer to help if you want to do that. Um, but even if you don't, maybe just go and say good day and ask what you can help for the next event, which will be on Sunday, the first of March. Cool. So we're going to um, talk to uh, the wonderful Disabled Surfers. Association about some of the events coming up. The other event I wanted to plug today uh, is it's the uh, Coburg community who are getting together for a full day of live local music, beer, food, fun to raise much needed money for bush, bushfire relief. It's um, it's called, I think, is this the beers for bushfires or is this the different one? <laughs> it is bush, beer beers for, for bush, bushfire. It is beer for bushfire relief. Victorian bushfire fundraiser, Clifton Creek Primary School in East Gippsland and yeah, Wildlife cool. Victoria. This is where the money is going. So featuring the Drunken Poachers, the Quarry Mountain Dead Rats, James Ellis uh, and the Jealous Guys, the Devil Goat Family String Band, Rattlin' Bones, Blackwood, uh, Gareth Leach, Brooke Russell. Uh, There's going to be raffles, silent auction, food, craft beers. It's at the Coburg RSL and kicks off at 12 o'clock today and runs until 8pm tonight. So very family friendly from babies to oldies, folk of all ages, backgrounds. Everyone is extremely welcome and will be very comfortable. Bring cash and dig (laughs) deep. (laughs) Now we're going to play some music and then come back and try and anybody that that is being interviewed by us today, just we're calling you later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Over to you. And we are very fortunate to have on the phone, um, we have... Francis Northeast. Francis Northeast, who is from the Victorian Marine and Coastal Council. And Francis, it's uh, Dr Beach here, and we've got Bron Burton here. How are you? 
Yeah, really well. Thank you. Good morning, Dr. Bateman Brown. <laughs> Great to have you with us, Francis. It's yeah. a it's award time. It is award time, yes. So the Victorian Marine and Coastal Council Awards, nominations close before too long. And, um, yeah, we've read the press. There's all sorts of award categories there. And I guess we're putting a call out for people to think about people who they know who might be up for an award. But to give us more information on that, Francis, can you tell us what are these awards about? Yeah, so the awards are... Um, being hosted by the Victorian Marine and Coastal Council, and this is uh, the ignore ignore. Ig- oh, sorry, I've got my tongue, my words all <laughs> now. They're the first awards for the council, and um, so they're going to be a, a big gala event, and we're really celebrating um, our much loved coastal and marine environments, and also the people who selflessly put their passion into action. So we really want to um, showcase all those wonderful projects that our communities are doing around the coast and marine environments. Um, And we're also looking for councils um, and other land managers who are doing great work as well to nominate their projects. So is this the Victorian Coastal Awards or is this slightly different to, to those awards? Great question, Dr Beach. It is slightly different. We've got a new Act. We've got the Marine and Coastal Act, and that came into effect in 2018. And the big difference is, is that we've got we're really highlighting um, traditional owner um, aspirations and rights, and we're going to be celebrating cultural practice through these awards as well. We're really highlighting leadership in climate change adaptation. That's a really key part of the new Act. And, of course, we've got that recognition of biodiversity and ecosystem conservation as well. So um, so those two first things, the traditional owner rights and aspirations and the leadership in climate change adaptation, they're kind of the big differences and the big points we're going to be celebrating in the awards. Francis, um, you mentioned a couple of the categories. Uh, good opportunity to go through the other ones. So there are about seven of them from what I'm seeing, all the, the dot points in front of me. Can you go through them all for us? Yeah, there's seven categories, and so we've talked about three of them. Um, there is a category around innovative applied researchers, and I know that's a category that will um, will be of interest to some of your listeners, hopefully. Um, we also will be doing looking at excellence in marine and coastal design or development, and this is a really great opportunity to showcase some of those um, projects that are really using our, that you, you know, where we use and develop the coast and marine environment in a really innovative and creative way. Um, And we're also looking at um, how different um, organisations and individuals um, engage and educate around coastal and marine environments. And finally, we're looking at the... um, Individual Achievement Award, and we're in this category. We're looking at those people who have those, um, you know, they've been around for a long time. They've done so much um, for those marine and coastal environments, but we're also looking for an emerging leader as well. So that's something different about these awards as well. Uh, Francis, can, can, can so somebody who might be listening and knows somebody in their community um, who they think, oh, yeah. This, they deserve an award. Can anyone be nominated? And if so, how does a listener get on and, and go through that process of, of nominating somebody? Anyone can be nominated. And hopefully um, the nomination process is really easy and not painful. So that was the aim. It's all web-based. So um, if you just pop on and go to the marine and coastal marineandcoastalcouncil.vic.gov.au, 
the um, there's a button that you push. We've got um, these lovely icons that represent all the categories. You just click on them, and then you can just go straight into that nomination. And it's really straightforward um, in terms of just outlining what the project is, putting up a couple of pictures about what that looks like, and um, if you have any problems, it's just a quick call to the um, with the numbers there to the. Um, Marine and Coastal Council Secretariat, which is me, um, and then um, it should be straightforward. Cool. What's the prize? What do people get? The prize? Their prize this year is a beautiful glass award um, that's been designed and developed by David Hopday, who, um, I don't know, many of your listeners might have seen his work before. It's this beautiful glass um Images, I suppose, or just sculptures of um, marine-themed um, animals, usually, or sometimes um, seaweed as well. So they're yeah, beautiful pieces, and also it's the um, it's the glory. Well, that's right, <laughs> and I understand um, the minister Lily Lily Ambrosio is going to be um, handing out the awards. Yeah, this is uh, one of the showcase events for the, our minister, the, um, Lily D'Ambrosio. So she's very keen on um, to be present and to acknowledge uh, all those people who do put their passions um, into action. Fantastic. Francis, thank you very much for um, coming on Radio Marinara and talking to us about the Victorian Marine and Coastal Awards. And again, nominations close soon. Um, and just go to VMCC for nominations. Thanks, Francis. Thanks, Pete. See ya. See ya. Bye. That was Francis Northeast from the Victorian Marine and Coastal Council talking about the upcoming awards. Yeah, good stuff. And one thing that you um, you do notice, uh, well, you know, we've seen it firsthand in, in the response to these fires is that it's the communities and the community groups that immediately galvanise into action and are so well organised and um, the work and the value of the work that they do is is just extraordinary. You really see it at times of crisis like this. So, yeah, good opportunity to recognise those people. We've already put a link to those awards on our Facebook page as well. Smack bang on 9.30, you're listening to Radio Marinara and without further further ado, we're going to cross down to uh, beautiful Rye to speak with Jackie Younger about what's going on in the world of diving. Good morning, Jackie. Uh, good morning, Bron. Happy New Year. Yeah, and to you. <laughs> Great to uh, to connect and touch base with you. Uh, a few oh, things definitely. a few things we wanted to cover. One, I thought we'd just kick yeah. off by talking about the seaside scavenge because we, we gave that a big plug towards the end sure. of our, uh, our year last year. How did it go? Well, in brief, um, really successful. I have to say, with with all the things going on with the fires, it was spitting rain that day, and I've never seen a happier crowd to have rain. Um, uh, we had, in brief, we had more volunteers, so we had probably about a couple of hundred more volunteers. Eighty percent of those had never been to a cleanup before, which was pretty fantastic. Awesome. And we collected probably just over half the amount of rubbish we collected the year before. So the message is really getting through. That's just the land side. In water, we were lucky to even collect five kilos, so we were pretty very happy. Fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome, Jackie. Really yeah, it's really good. Like we didn't even cover our collection mat, and people saying you didn't get much, and we're like, "That's the point." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's not often you get a situation like we're that. The, we're the end of the source, so um, we don't want to. We want to go in there. There's nothing there. So it's fantastic. And I saw, um, I saw in the socials this extraordinarily beautiful sand sculpted smooth ray as I well. Know, I know, and I had to keep that a secret for quite a while because I knew about it. it was gorgeous. So that was um, dedication to raise awareness. So that was all about the stingray. So 
Uh, it was just fantastic having that at the festival. So, and, and you know, we had a ra- I had a raise where the stand-up as well with Dive to You, so we got a lot of attention from that. So I feel like we really got to spread that message out. I think we probably would have had at least a couple of thousand people through for the day, which was fantastic. Brilliant. Have you got another one planned in the months ahead? Um, Look, last year they did one in winter in Frankston. I have to touch base with you about that because I have to speak to them. They they do have funding to do a couple of years, so we have to see where they're going to do the one, but we would like to do a winter one, so I'll definitely get back to you on that one. All right, awesome. Um, quick snapshot of diving over the sure. summer because you're out and about all the time. How's it been? Look, it's been really quiet. Um, I think that um, that is um, a lot to do with how people are feeling about the fires. We haven't been as busy as we normally have been we haven't been putting on as many events so just trying to organize some bit of um charity work to work towards going up to visit the fire affected areas so we've been quite very quiet um the last two weeks it's been beautifully clear we had a bit of um bit of uh, murk in the water after that first big rainstorm when we had a bit of murk come out just coming off the land but um today's very very windy if i was going anywhere today i would go to blake alley that's my tip for today. Quite strong westerlies. <laughs> and speaking of Blegarry, are we going to talk a little bit a little bit about oyster plates and uh, an event coming up? All right. So on the twenty second of Saturday, twenty second of um, February, we've got um, an event. We've got uh, Blegarry and Mornington Pier. So we've got two collections. So the oyster the plates have been in the water for three months. So we're doing our collection. We're calling out to people to come down and give us a hand. Um, the events are on our Facebook page, but uh, you don't have to get in the water. You can just help us sort and count the oysters. Um, so that would be really helpful. So that's on the 22nd of February. And the purpose of this is this is um, after uh, peer um, rejuvenation, peer re- uh, restoration, um, and actually having a look at how uh, these new peer pylons get colonised. Oh, absolutely, and we're looking at oyster, oyster. We're looking at oyster growth and mussel growth, and there's, I think, there's ten sites now. So we've just got Mornington up as well. So we've just started doing Mornington um, to give people a bit of choice. But just looking at the success rates in this trial throughout these different piers, and um, we're finding uh, we're finding a lot of growth at this stage. Also, a lot of other cute animals that like to hang on the oyster plates. So they've been in the water for three months. So we're just about to put them out. So it'd be really exciting to see what. Um, the changes that we're seeing over time. That's awesome, Jackie. Um, can you give us some information where people can can find out more about this? Is there okay. anything up on a website or a Facebook page? Definitely. We've got it on our Dive to You Facebook page. Um, we have it under our events. And you can also go to VNPA, so you can go to Victoria National Park's um, webpage and look at their Oyster Watch program there because they're all over right from the city down to the peninsula. So people can choose where they'd like to go. Um, we have those particular sites down here, but we're also looking at sites up at Jawbone Marine Sanctuary. We've been up, AJ's been up there doing a bit up there as well. So a lot of choice, but really exciting to look at, at rejuvenating the reefs. Awesome. Well, we've got Cade coming in next week, so we can hit him up for some more information about the broader yeah, program yeah, and um, and <laughs> yeah, and continue to plug that in the next couple of weeks sure. until February twenty second, and um, yep. we'll we'll put links to that on our Facebook page as well. Hey, awesome to catch up with you, Jackie, and um, looking forward to talking to you more as the year unfolds, and particularly about oh, this definitely. this charity work that you're talking about with the um, the fire affected areas. Yeah, and we're looking at doing some. Yeah, we're looking at doing um, Labor Day weekend. We're going to start looking at doing some 
trips up to Eden as such and places like that that have been fire affected. So we want to, we're not doing any overseas trips this year. So we're, all, we're looking at travelling within Australia. Awesome. Well, we'll talk more about that off air and, and get you back on to talk about that some Excellent. more. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. Awesome. Right, Ron, thanks. Thanks, Jackie. Soon. Okay, cheers. Bye-bye. Bye for now. See Jackie. Jackie Younger there. Oh, so much off. On, off oh, we're, we're off to a, a cracking start already. I know. We can. We keep so the pace up for the entire on. year. But how exciting does that sound with it? Yeah, looking at the, the settlement with mussels, oysters, and as she said, all, 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 the, all, all the cute little animals that are getting on there as well. You can make little nudibranchs and sponges yeah. and, and obsidians. Once, once the domain of, of university, yes. you know, tertiary yeah, departments, yeah, yeah. that was yeah. that was mm-hmm. sort of that formed the basis of many projects and yeah, you and I were yeah, going yeah, through. Absolutely, that's what you did. And then people just getting out there and doing it. That's coming, fantastic. Coming back to what we're talking about with the community awards. Yes. You know, not not just going. Well, actually, no. That's that's what the universities do. No, it doesn't mm. have to be. No, brilliant. Excellent stuff. We're going to play a, a bit of one of the um, my favourite tracks going around um, for the last couple of years, the redo of um, and Take the Children Away but by Briggsy and others. And then... We're going to be crossing to, I think, Sydney. Got to clarify that. To speak with <laughs> Danielle Ryan. She could be anywhere. She's not in Melbourne. Um, she is interstate somewhere. Uh, the Map to Paradise, which is this wonderful Jeez. film, which is screening in Melbourne, Geelong, Frankston, uh, Belgrave, um, various parts of Melbourne in the next couple of weeks. So, we're going to be speaking with filmmaker Danielle Ryan about the map to paradise. Now, the drive to protect the seas and oceans of the world is gaining momentum with marine conservation no longer just the domain of green activists. Awareness of the damage we've caused to the seas and oceans is finally leading to marine conservation being embraced by many in positions of power and privilege and others who are able to effectively push for positive change at a local level. The map to paradise is a documentary filmed over three years. It considers the rise and sometimes regression of global global efforts to protect marine environments. The Map to Paradise was directed and co-produced by Danielle Ryan and it's with great pleasure now we cross to Sydney to speak with Danielle about this inspirational film and where you can see it over the next few weeks around Melbourne, Belgrave, Frankston and Geelong. Good morning, Danielle. Welcome to Radio Marinara. Thanks for having me. Always happy to speak to a community station. Well, you've got a lot of uh, active <laughs> listeners out here who you've got your captive audience. <laughs> now, listen, um, so you made The Map to Paradise a couple of years ago. It was released in actually in March last year. What, what led you to make this film? Well, yeah, we started quite a number of years ago because we weren't really having a conversation about what it means to protect nature in Australia. We're lucky because, you know, we've had... had you know, the second national park in the world and a large marine park up on the Great Barrier Reef which kick-started the movement around the world. However, I don't feel that it's something people talk about in their daily lives and we recognise that it was missing from the debate because all of a sudden we started seeing some of these beautiful uh, protected areas out in the ocean in New South Wales disappear uh, in our backyard and so that started to make us really concerned um, about what was going to happen in the future, not just uh, for protected areas in the ocean, but on the land. Yeah, this is what we're talking about in terms of the regression of marine protection, because we, I think there's an assumption that once a marine protected area gets declared, that's going to be it and that area is going to be protected, but um, but it's proving not to necessarily be the case. Um, now, this is a film that's shot by you and also your filmmaking partner, James Sherwood. Did you intend for it to take three years to film and, and also for it to cover so much of the planet when you set out to do it? Well, when we first began, it was a passion project. We had no 
idea how long it was going to take. We spent a long time doing research and it wasn't until we had uh, the chance of meeting uh, Prince Albert of Monaco's uh, advisor and we had an opportunity to put him in the film that we thought, wow, we've really got to take this seriously now. We've got to get cracking. And so we started just working uh, really hard to try and push it along. And then once the, the big mass coral bleaching event happened uh, that really sent a shockwave uh, through the conservation world, maybe not so much uh, in mainstream communities, but definitely in the conservation world. I think that's when we realised we've really got, got to push ourselves to, to finish it. So, yeah, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, to get it done and it turned out to be the right time to get it out. Uh, indeed, we got our film out just around the same time as 2040 did, which is another positive uh, documentary in Australia of hope. And also David Attenborough released a series a couple of months afterwards, uh, also touching on the same themes as our documentary. It's nice always to, to be out before Dave Attenborough, isn't it? Um, the, <laughs> Danielle, one of the things when I saw it that really stood out for me, and I wonder was it deliberate, um, is it, the word that sprung to mind as I watched was sumptuous. Like the imagery is sumptuous, you know. The even Aww. even the even the the kind of um, hand drawn um, stuff between the kind of narrative scenes you use a really interesting device too, by the way. But that that the, the imagery is sumptuous, and was that deliberate? Did you set that to kind of draw people in visually? Yes, uh, that was really important to us uh, because that whole idea of, you know, when you're young and you believe that, you know, dreams, this perfect world exists. I know when I was young and, and I was reading fairy tales and all sorts of things, I thought this perfect world of nature existed and also watching David Attenborough films as well. And it's not until I uh, started to learn much more about conservation and the destruction of wilderness areas that you really start to understand that these places are fragile. So we thought the best way to try and help um, capture people's imagination was to try and transport them back into that that youthful uh, state of thinking where we actually believed in, in this perfect kind of world. And I think it's, it's really important to do that now because as we lose uh, these precious, beautiful wild areas, uh, we need to be able... To, to envision what they can look like so we can get them back. One of the key people who you feature is Mario on uh, on beautiful Apo Island in the Philippines. Yeah. And, and I love the contrast of the people who you feature in this film. You've got Mario who's just, you know, driven everything at a community level and has these great aspirations to really sort of take his dream sort of beyond his local community across the entire Philippines and really out to the world. Um, contrast against Richard Branson and and yeah. um, and Sylvia Earle, um, who we know well here, and you know other really sort of world heavyweights speaking at this UN meeting in New York. You've sort of got this incredible contrast of mm. people at different levels with different positions of influence and power. Can we talk a little bit about Mario? Um, because he kind of bookends the map to paradise. He's there at the start and he's there at the end. How did you come across Mario? And can you tell us a little bit about his part of the story? Yeah, it's nice that, that you notice that. I mean, often documentaries really give attention to famous people and people in power. And we just wanted to make sure that if we were going to include um, some of those heavyweights, that it, it enabled some people doing some extraordinary things uh, on a grassroots level to, to give 
to let them shine uh, because there are so many amazing things happening on that level around the world and often people don't get recognised for the wonderful work they do. Um, in terms of how we found Mario, it's an interesting story. Um, so my co-director, James Sherwood, he studied marine science up at James Cook University and Interestingly, long ago, he learned about the story of Apple Island. It's a, it's a classic marine science textbook example of being the best community-led marine protected area in the world. Uh, but in that class, he only learned about the scientists' story and their journey in creating that marine park. Um, and so it wasn't until we went to the Philippines and we went to that island and we started talking to all the community members on that island, asking, you know, who, who are the, the key people uh, in the community who are a part of this uh, project? And everyone just kept on saying, Mario, Mario, Mario. <laughs> and eventually we found Mario and went to interview him and all the kids were gathered around him like he was this god. And uh, James, my co-director, realised that he was actually his dive instructor from years ago. Oh, so wow. my co-director, James Sherwood, had actually studied uh, diving on that island and Mario had been his instructor. Just an incredible, incredibly small world. And I think um, for James, that was a particularly special experience to realise that his dive instructor is also somebody who he would consider a conservation hero. And, and the story of, of Mario, and, and that you mentioned before, kind of it is a documentary, but it, it is also kind of this wonderful set of fairy stories, fairy tales. It's this beautiful set of narratives um, in different parts of the world about what's happening. Um, and that in itself brings out the very, as Bron was saying, that very kind of very local. Um, the one that stood out for me was the, the fisherman in Greece. Oh, and the that. incredible passion, you know, he's, he's spent this entire life fishing, 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 and can't anymore and it's a remarkable story and so those all of those stories were in a way a story of loss but they were also a really positive story about what can be done and I think that narrative was that very deliberate for you to try and tell very positive stories around the world about what can be done what works well Yes, 100%. Uh, a lot of environmental documentaries, I think we're starting to see a paradigm shift now, but uh, in the past they have been very doom and gloom and hard-hitting. Mm. And I feel that um, that some people will steer away from those sorts of stories because it becomes a bit too, too much. And so that's why we wanted something that was a bit more therapeutic. Uh, we knew ourselves before the word had even come into mainstream that we were feeling a sense of eco-anxiety ourselves and that people, particularly in the conservation space, were feeling quite stressed out. So I guess first and foremost, we wanted to make a film that inspired those who were already on, going on that quest to protect nature, to keep going. And so the best way to do that, we feel, is to find um, those role models or those people who've been fighting for years and years or their whole life um, who can just remind people um, that, you know, you do get these beautiful moments in conservation where things do go right and we just we're just going to make sure we throw our whole hearts into it and and dedicate our lives to it and it's, it's not an easy um underlying message to get that yes you might um stumble across these problems along the way but the fact that people 
can can reach Mario's age or the prince's age, um, you know, in the older generations and, and still keep going. I think it's really mm. important, particularly for the younger generations, to, to hear that message. Um, for me, I'm really lucky because my mum was a pioneer in environmental law, so I've had, I've seen what my mum went through and and I know the challenges that, that happen in conservation and, and I feel like for people who haven't got those role models in their lives, it's really quite easy to to give up or to to, to feel like you're not getting anywhere. So I think it's, it's really important that we do make an effort in society to share more of those stories, even if they aren't popular. That's right. And there's a great um, comment that's made in the film about the conservation, uh, I guess the, the conservation story, the conservation movement story, and, and someone says, um, oh, look, we, we've been really good at the I have a nightmare speech and we really need to get better at the I have a dream speech when it comes to marine conservation in particular. I have so many more questions for you, Danielle, but we're rapidly running out of time. One <laughs> one thing I did want to ask about was um, some. we did talk a little bit about the heavy hitters and, and Branson talks about the need for ocean treaties um, at the UN conference a couple of years ago um and uh did anything like that come out of the conference one thing that occurred to me was we have all these great sort of cheerleaders at a world level and you know i'm sort of sensing do we need to get some of these cheerleaders actually out on the field and get them to grab the ball and start running with it because it's it's great to talk at these big meetings about all the great things that we need to be doing but it's you know then then you come to mario and people like him who are actually getting out there and doing it did did some what what came out of that conference in the end? Well, I actually think there's a lot of exciting stuff happening on an international level now, and I think what we have to to realise is that the international negotiations that happen on that higher level is so important because that's whatever negotiations and targets they create, it enables a pathway for people like you and I to have that conversation of what to aspire to. So, in terms of that international level. Um, this January, finally, which is really exciting because we've been talking about this in Q&As across Australia, uh, finally countries have come together to draft an agreement uh, to increase targets to protect a third of the ocean. Uh, treaty That treaty negotiation is also underway to protect uh, the high seas. And we're also uh, seeing um, draft uh, ideas for a charter of nature which would give more rights to nature, uh, which is fantastic. So, you know, we, we need these philosophical and ideological um, aspirations at the top. And it just means that now we can go around in our screenings at Melbourne and tell people this is happening and that it's up to us to make sure Australia signs on to these agreements because we know that the laws are there. We know that the principles are there. It's just about us adopting um, these principles into our own legal system. So the screening times, so many more questions I had for you, Danielle. We might take this as a part two down the track. If you're ever in (laughs) Melbourne, get in touch with us, please. Yeah, for sure. Um, So uh, Friday, this coming Friday, uh, 7th of February in Geelong, it's going to be a QA. and a Are you going to be down here for that? Yes. So Geelong's actually sold out. However, the cinema said that they will host another event if there's enough people. So, yeah, add your name to the wait list for Geelong if you're really keen to see another screening. Uh, North Coast is on uh, Monday. Sorry, I had the, the screenings on my computer, but my computer just suddenly died. That's right. So I've got Monday, the... Monday, North Coast. Oh, you've got it? Yeah, I've got it all in front of me. So, Monday, 10th of February at North Coast. I'm guessing that's at Westgar Cinema. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday, uh, 11th of Feb at Frankston and um, Brighton, which will be at the Dendi. Um, Wednesday, 12th North of Palace. Feb. Um, sorry? 
I think it's at the Palace in Brighton. Yep. Yes. Uh, Wednesday in Yarraville and also in South Yarra, which will be at the Jam Factory. Uh, Thursday, Belgrave and Borwin, um, also with filmmakers. And then uh, Friday in Carlton, which will be at the Nova. So I'm just guessing that, but I can't think of any other cinemas where it could be. So uh, Everyone can find the list online. Yes. So at com slash ticket. Fantastic. Perfect. Daniel, it's been wonderful speaking with you. Congratulations again on this movie. I can only urge and encourage everyone to go out and see this great film. Beautiful story. Get inspired. Get you know, get a light under you and work out what you're going to do to try and fix this problem because um, we all have the power and the capability of doing something to really turn this around. Good luck with the next round of screenings. Thank you. And, um, uh, yeah, thank you for doing what you're doing because what you're doing is one of the most important things, getting the message out there. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Look forward to meeting you in person. Thanks, Danielle. Okay, cheers. Okay, bye. Bye for now. Danielle Ryan there, director, co-producer of The Map to Paradise. We'll put all those links on our Facebook page. Indeed, you are on through to on Radio Marinara. And, of course, we, play, we start the year as we plan to finish it, which is by talking too much. That's right. And not getting time to cover the really you know, other, the, all the stories. <laughs> so we're going to hold, aren't we? Dr. Yeah, we're going to hold the story I mentioned before, which is talking which is about... Uh, which is a really interesting yes. story about we'll how come back. actually increased levels of CO2 in the ocean may not affect fish behaviour to the extent that we were very worried about. Fish behaviour. Fish behaviour. There are very... Lots, there, of, lots of... Like, it's going to increase temperature. Can it's you wait till I'm on? Because I want to argue it's about gonna, It's going to do the whole... It's going to do a whole lot of really bad things. But it turns out that one of the things that was purported to, to be in effect may not be such how a many, bad effect. How many, how many species of fish did they include in their sample? Oh, we, we, we're starting it. We can't. <laughs> Leah, let's we do had this. Love, we had we, a caller. Does it matter if we hold this off for a month? Because I want to really yeah, engage Can we do it when we're all looking together? Not at all. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Hey, now, someone ring? We'll, we'll, give you, quick. We'll, we'll give you the whole show and put you up. <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, yes, thank you. I didn't. Uh, we didn't catch the name of the caller. Thank you, Kent, for bringing this one in. World Wetlands Day, 8th of February, which will be next Saturday. Uh, Truganina Explosive Reserve, Mar- uh, Altona. I've, I'm just reading from what's in front of me. From 11 until 3, the Altona Foreshore, Hobson's Wetlands Centre, uh, Walks and Activities. So World, World Wetlands Day next Saturday. Awesome. Thanks for calling in about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for our guest today as well, Daniel Ryan. Yes, uh, Francis and, Northeast. Yeah. And Francis Northeast, that's right. And, um, you know, we will at some point, you know, fit an entire show into the slot available to us. I'm sure <laughs> there'll be a, there will be a show this year where we do it. <laughs> Next week's program, can I give it a quick plug? I it's going to be huge. We've got Peter Owen from the Wilderness Society talking about their legal action uh, against Nopsema for providing approval mm. for Equinor to drill in the bite so we're going to talk to peter owen from wilderness society excellent we're going to uh, hopefully talk with hillary mcnevin or someone about the apollo bay seafood festival incredible lineup coming up for them our mm. hillary um our, our hillary yeah our she's hillary. always ours cam yeah, thinks yeah, he's yeah. hers with edith yeah, but she's actually yeah. ours and yeah. uh, rex hunter is going to be in with his uh, first edition of rex hunting cade will be in as well so massive show we're going to be speaking with jackie about some more um cleanup events that uh, are being organized down on the mornington peninsula Big show next week. Yeah, brilliant. I'll try and keep to time. And the doctors have amassed, and so we will slide out of our wetsuits out of the studio. And they'll come in with their stethoscopes. And they will. Stethoscopes banging, golf carts parked. (laughs) See you all next week. Bye. Bye for now.
Hi, this is Bron Burton. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Radio Marinara, a weekly radio show exploring all things wet and salty, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Radio Marinara's Facebook page.